Listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. The essence of competitiveness is liberated when we make people believe that what they think and do is important and then get out of their way while they do it. This is a statement I believe today's guest, Tanya Sebring, would agree with. Tanya serves as the Director of Athletics for the Cherokee County School District in Georgia. She has been a trailblazer from a young age as a member of the first fast-pitch softball team at Kennesaw State University, followed by a successful transition from player to coach that culminated in a state championship. She also was inspired to begin a small celebration of female athletes that just recently was attended by over 700 female athletes in her district and it is her vision for this celebration to eventually spread throughout the state and beyond. Let's settle in and get to know Tanya Sebring. All right, Tanya, well, thanks for joining Don and I today for this episode of Hanging with the AD. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. For our listeners, uh, Coach Sebring is the Director of Athletics for the Cherokee County School District in Georgia. Cherokee County is located about 30 miles northwest of Atlanta. Uh, Coach Sebring's been the district athletic director in Cherokee County since 2018. And before that, she was a local school athletic director and a head coach as well. But I'll let her tell you more about her bio information. Coach, the way we like to start off the show is with a back of the baseball card bio. Uh, I collected baseball cards when I was little. I don't know if you did that or not, but I learned a lot about my heroes from the back of the baseball card. So if you would give us and our listeners a little bit more about yourself or what the back of your baseball card might look like. Okay, well, I am a native of Columbus, Georgia, which is uh, located in middle Georgia and grew up there my whole life. I graduated from Shaw High School. I was a three-sport athlete, played softball, and I was a gymnast, which is, uh, those who know me, or like, wow, you're a gymnast because um, I'm not very graceful. I was more of a, I guess, a power gymnast. Um, and I did some competition cheer as well. And people who know me now, they're kind of like, I just can't even picture you doing that. Anyway, um, so after I graduated high school, I stayed around the Columbus area. Not sure if I was going to go to Auburn because I'm, you know, just across the river. Right. Or if I was going to go play in um, college. Well, I was playing a pickup game one day and Coach Scott Whitlock, who is a Hall of Fame coach, um, at Kennesaw State, he saw me playing, and he was like, hey, I'm starting a fast-pitch program. How about you come up here and play for me? So I'd never heard of Kennesaw, Georgia before, and went up there and um, got to be a part of something that was pretty special. After I graduated from Kennesaw State, I went straight to Cherokee County because I knew that's where I probably wanted to raise my kids. Uh, it was a beautiful area, and started teaching there in 1995, waiting on Woodstock High School to open up, which was, at that time, that was my goal. I wanted to open that school and start a program. And that's what I did. I was there for uh, 12 years, and then I went over to the crosstown rival, Etowah, um, and then made my way back as athletic director at Woodstock, and now I'm at the district office. All right, great. We'll get into more of that crosstown rival stuff in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> to start off, as a local school athletic director, what did success look like to you? Well, that, that's a good question. Success to me was um, obviously developing programs, um, improving programs. Uh, we were in a situation at Woodstock where we were one of the smallest schools in the largest classification. So in order for us to win championships, we had to go against the Winnet uh, mega schools, you know, that had double R enrollment just about. So um, success to me wasn't necessarily at the beginning about winning championships. Obviously, we wanted kids to 
uh, know that they could compete. But we, it was about developing coaches and developing um, programs and just getting the most out of our kids and being able to build a community around that. That's good. I, I know one of your top accomplishments in your career was winning the state championship at Woodstock. Uh, and you played for many region championships. But this is a question probably all of us athletic directors could use help with. How did you define success for the programs who weren't perennial region and state championship caliber teams? Well, the main thing was, were we moving in the right direction? And, and what were we teaching kids? And um, what, what were the kids getting out of the programs? Because, I mean, ultimately, that's what we're about is, you know, making the experiences for the kids. And so um, providing they were having a positive experience and again, we were getting better and instilling in those athletes that, hey, you may not be the region powerhouse or whatever, but every now and then something special can come together and you can and make that run and um, prepare kids for that. My big thing, I don't know if I'm jumping around here, but my big thing jumping over at, from Etowah from Woodstock was teaching those kids how to compete. They had the talent. It was being able to get it in their mindset that they belonged there. Yeah, that, teaching them how to compete. And mm-hmm. I, I think you did a great job with that. We'll talk about your competitive nature here in a few minutes. But getting mm-hmm. back to that crosstown rival, like mm-hmm. you, I did the same thing. I was a teacher coach at a neighbor rival school, moved over to lead the athletics department here at Pope and right down the road from where I came from. So there were some challenges you had to face, not only just moving from teacher coach to athletic director, but moving it there to a local rival school. So what challenges did you face coming back to Woodstock after Etowah? You mentioned you were there for uh, 12 years at Woodstock before you left, but coming back as athletic director instead of the coach, what challenges did you face there? Well, you know, I opened Woodstock, and so I was pretty well known there. And my husband, actually, when I left, and that was the reason that I left, he came on to be the principal. So there was always a Sebring in the building. Um, He left to go to the county office. And when I came back, obviously, I came back in a different role. But those coaches, a lot of them were still there from when I was coaching there. So it was a I thought it was going to be a bigger challenge for them to see me in a different light. In other words, now I'm your supervisor instead of your peer. But um, we had great relationships as coaches. Um, We were very collaborative. And that's really kind of my leadership style anyway. I'm not afraid to make the, the tough decision. But I think that coaches knew me well enough that I was always going to make decisions that were in the best interest of kids and in the best interest of our programs. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. I probably made it out be a bigger deal, you know, coming back and supervising my former peers than it really was. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. Being promoted in your own building mm-hmm. and that dynamic shifting and changing can be a little apprehensive. Shifting gears just a little bit. Recently, I had the pleasure of attending your National Girls and Women's and Sports Day celebration that you guys held at Cherokee High School. And having a daughter of myself, it was extremely moving to watch that celebration that you guys had. Uh, could you give us a little bit more insight about that event uh, and how to handle just the logistics of a countywide event like that? Sure. First of all, thanks for coming, because I always look for, for great ideas, and you, you guys always have good ideas. And I, I really wanted to share that experience with you guys, because I, it's my goal that there is a National Girls and Women in Sports Day event across the state. You know, there are several districts that are picking up on that now, and, and I really appreciate the fact that they're, they're moving in that direction. So about 16 years ago, I was invited to co- go back to my hometown, Columbus, Georgia, and be the keynote speaker at a National Girls and Women in Sports Day event. You know, National Girls and Women in Sports Day has been around for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, when we adopted it, after I came back and spoke it from that event, I was like, there's no reason that we can't do this district-wide because our district at that time had five high schools, so I wanted to bring them together. Mm -hmm. So it started out with about, 
I would say 50 kids from every school. We brought them into an auditorium, had a keynote speaker model it after what I had experienced in Columbus. Right. After that, it really exploded. We started finding different ideas on how to celebrate girls and women in sport and also teach them about the evolution of women in sports and how far we've come. So what we do is we take that day and we celebrate the girls' accomplishments and um, they select a team of the year and an athlete of the year and we recognize them. And one of the cool ways that we do that is we bring back an alumni, an accomplished alumni to present those awards. It's action packed with, with video and we have a lot of community sponsors who give away a lot of cool stuff, which the girls always love that. But um, just a, a way to celebrate. You asked how I... Um, uh, organize that well i'll tell you it starts back in that we we do it the first monday in february um to prepare for the actual day to educate them about the actual day which is the first wednesday in february which goes along with signing day but we start back in november this planning process and every school has a coordinator and we have a checklist you know they submit pictures they submit field trip forms they submit lists stuff like that but it, it's a uh it's definitely a long process, but the schools have 100% buy-in, and not only the schools, but our district. You know, one of the cool things that I hope you were able to see was that our superintendent, his cabinet, were there, and yeah. that was that's just part of who they are, and, and you know, they're big advocates for women in sports. Yeah, it was again, like I said, I, I appreciate you inviting me, and, and I'm hoping that we can take that model and adapt it uh, in our district uh, moving forward. I'm looking forward to working with you and doing that. As as you mentioned earlier, as a player, you were the first fast pitch recruit for Kennesaw State, uh, member of that inaugural team. Could you speak to that experience a little bit and how different it looks to a recruit today and the challenges that you see uh, in the college recruiting process uh, of our kids today? Sure. Well, first of all, I was. I always say that um, I was in the right place at the right time when I got recruited for Kennesaw State. Obviously, um, I'm a I'm a woman of faith, and I really feel like the Lord had a had a plan for me because I had never heard of Kennesaw State. But um, basically, Coach Whitlock is retired now, but he still uh, works a little bit with Kennesaw State. He took a slow pitch team that was very competitive and transformed them into a fast pitch team. And he went out and got four fast pitch players. He got two pitchers, a catcher, and a third baseman. I was the catcher that he recruited. Uh-huh. Um, and he basically just did it watching. I was playing a pickup game softball down in Columbus. He was like, come look at my school. And I fell in love with the area. It was a good time for me to get out of you know my hometown. Uh-huh. And um, it taught me a lot of, of great lessons. The first thing is, is going back to, you know, what I was telling you about teaching kids how to compete. You know, it's, right. it was really not doable in most people's eyes to take a slow pitch team, put four players on there, and turn them into a competitive basketball team overnight. Well, he did that, and he he did that um, with confidence. He made us believe that we could do it, and we you know went to the national tournament and finished fourth in the nation our first year in, of existence. Wow! The next year we were national runner-up. So um, I was able to take those lessons and then transform those into my kind of my coaching philosophy as a you could do whatever you set your mind to. And you know, talking about the recruiting process, wow, it's it's very different now. Obviously, there's a lot more kids um, that are being recruited. One of the challenges with that is that everyone feels like they have to be a Division One athlete, and um, they're a failure. If, and they're a failure if they're not a Division One athlete. And I totally disagree with that. I think it's whatever is the best fit for you and and what you're you know what you want to accomplish. So you know I had lots of conversations as a coach and an athletic director as of, are you getting the scholarship for you or your parents? Right. You know, and find out where you want to be and where where you fit into that. So the challenges with recruiting are. You know, the kids feel like they don't get it. You know, they got to get more and more exposure. And 
they get lost in that experience and forget about the main experience of why what they're doing, which is actually you know participating, competing, and forming relationships. And right, and memories with their with their teammates that are obviously right. Yeah. Exactly. So I would say that's a huge challenge, and then obviously educating them on the process of what a good fit actually looks like, because a lot of times they don't know that until you know they go out and experience some of those visits and then teaching them how to behave in order to be a recruitable athlete. That's a challenge. Huge. <laughs> yeah, huge. We all yeah. know in the social media world, that was one of my big platforms. Um, when I was athletic director at Woodstock was before every season, I would have a meeting with the team and that would be a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you are who you are on social media and people see that and lose scholarships and jobs over that. That's so, correct. Very true. So those are some of the lessons that I like to, uh, to my student athletes. Yeah, we may need to have another uh, podcast just on social media there and your thoughts on that. But, uh, hey, something just hit me, Coach. How did playing – you were on the first fast pitch team at Kennesaw State, and then you Mm -hmm. started the first high school program at Woodstock. So you have a couple parallel experiences as a player and a coach. How did those two experiences – look the same? How did, how did you go through those or actually use your experience from Kennesaw State to Woodstock? I'm so glad you asked me that. You know, back in the 90s or the mid-90s, that actually when fast pitch was coming on the scene and even, you know, there was slow pitch before that, who were the coaches for, for softball? They were baseball coaches, mm-hmm. you know, and um, actually at the Georgia Dugout Hall of Fame, I, I made a, a comment on this that I believe that my it, my experience at Kennesaw State gave me an advantage on getting hired as a young, young head coach. Not It's not knocking baseball coaches at all. I mean, that's what they did, but there weren't as many female coaches in that setting. So I believe that one of the reasons that I got the nod to be the head coach at Woodstock High School was based on um, my experience at Kennesaw State and the success that we had there that that did help. It taught me a lot of lessons on, you know, it didn't, it never taught, it wasn't a textbook on how to coach, but just definitely the motivating kids on how, you know, thinking that they can do it and, right. and being that example. And, and speaking to that success, uh, you know, my mom, she has a saying, it ain't bragging if you can do it. And when I look at your coaching career, you've done it. Uh, you've won multiple region titles, uh, several state tournament appearances, as well as that state championship at Woodstock. Uh, could you speak to what made those teams special from a player's perspective, as well as your staffs, uh, and what role they played in creating that success? Well, first of all, I appreciate the compliment. And um, you hit the nail on the head when you said players and staff, because you're only successful as the people that you surround yourself with. And I was very fortunate um, at Woodstock and at Etowah, but I had players that um, had blind faith in me. And, you know, that's what I used to preach is we're going to go a long way if you have blind faith. And I'm going to make some mistakes along the way. My staff is going to make some mistakes, um, but we're going to own up to them and we're going to fix them. We're going to get better. So I had total buy-in. You know, that's sometimes hard to get. I think my experience at Kennesaw State helped me with that because I came with some instant credibility. Maybe um, I had a little bit more credibility than I should have had because I made a lot of mistakes as a young coach, you know. Uh But I also had a great staff. And when I say that, I had a loyal staff and a staff that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to have that when you have constant turnover in your staff, you know, you're constantly having to reteach the language and they have to learn you and you have to learn them and you have to have some type of chemistry. Right. But I had a, um, a baseball coach, which I love having baseball coaches on my staff. I, love, I just do. I mean, that's one of the things that we bounce ideas off of each other and how baseball and softball are similar and different and how we run things. But 
I had a very loyal staff and I had a, the longevity of those guys staying with me was crucial to our success. Mm-hmm. I could be guilty of that baseball guy doing softball, but yeah, I, I think I, you had, guys. I know <laughs> it was fun. It was a fun four years that I got to do it. And, but changing gears a little bit, getting to your current job. I read a little bit about you coming into this role as a director of athletics for Cherokee County. You spoke of trying to find ways to assist the local schools in being more efficient and more effective. And I think I even had a conversation. You said you had some ideas you wanted to implement countywide. And, and obviously your girls and women in sports day celebrations, one of those. What areas other than that did you feel needed the assistance? And what have you put in place to help your schools be more effective and efficient athletically? Well, it's different in every district, but in our district, the athletic director is also an assistant principal. So there's some huge time management pieces there you have to consider. And basically, I just wanted to put myself in a position to where I could be an assistant to them and help them maybe organize their time better because so much of their day is spent doing the assistant principal duties. You know, for us to be a a progressive district, and we are, we had some antiquated forms and we were still doing paper with a lot of stuff and tracking down forms. And so we've really tried to be universal with that and do a lot of things online. They submit a lot of things online now and then I review it. And then if there's something that needs to be updated or fixed, you know, I kind of set, I put, I laid eyes on that and give them feedback. Also, what I found when I got in this position was our schools were all over the map when it came to policies and procedures at the local school. And although we don't want to micromanage, there are some schools that do things better than others. Right. So, you know, I, I have site visits quarterly, sometimes more than that when we have new ADs. And we sit down and we talk about how to better manage their time or, you know, what can I do to help them? Or, hey, have you seen this, this handbook? And that's really one of the initiatives that I'm doing right now is I'm going through all of their local school handbooks to make sure that, that they have the information out there that can help them guide their coach. That's good. I, I barely see my county athletic director, so I'm glad you get to see yours quarterly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding there. What else can you tell us about streamlining the paperwork, going more electronic? Did you seek out anyone or did you use any specific programs that other athletic directors listing might be able to look up and, and use themselves? Well, I had gone to the Georgia Athletic Directors Association, and um, I think you guys have spoken actually with uh, Dr. Miller on how he's tried to get paperless. He does all of his through Google Docs. Um, We actually have an intranet sharing system, um, SharePoint, that I've created files for all of our schools, so they dump everything into that intranet SharePoint system because that's what they're familiar with. But I think it's the same concept. Whatever you choose, you just create your uh, your files or your school documents or whatever, and they just dump them in there. And it's so much easier to, you know, clean out and, and know what you need to keep and, and instead of having to purge all this paper and, um, and go through all that stuff. And it's a lot easier to spot check on what you're missing. Because as you know, as athletic directors, there's a ton of documentation that you have to have for liability purposes. Absolutely. It seems it gets more and more every year for sure. Yes, for sure. Coach, the last question before we get into our two-minute drill gets to who you are and uh, h- how you do your job. But I was fortunate enough to get to coach against you several times on the softball field, and we had some good battles. Uh, I was an assistant coach up at Lasker, and at a while was always a really good opponent of ours. I know you ha- are very competitive by nature. What do you feel created such a competitive spirit? How has it benefited you as you've gone from teacher coach to local school athletic director now to being a leader on the county level? Um, well, 
I think by nature is probably the the key there. Um, I, I just naturally am a, you know, I grew up playing all kinds of sports, naturally competitive, was always playing. But one of my huge role models was Dr. Debbie Ball, who was inducted into the um, Dugout Club Hall of Fame. She's also a Hall of Fame member in Chattahoochee Valley. She's very well known across the state. And in fact, the, I think the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association inducted her as well. She was a great role model for me. She taught me how to do things you know, she was competitive and she wanted to win and everything. And she was my mentor. Mm-hmm. Now we still talk on a, I would say a monthly basis or whatever, but um, I would say I got a lot of that drive and ambition from her because she was a very successful coach and a female coach at, you know, in a male dominated world back then. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to grow up and be like Dr. Debbie Ball. So I would say that my influences had a lot to do with my competitive nature. And then coming up here to Kennesaw State, it was the same thing. It was a different type of coaching that I experienced with Coach Whitlock, but um, still the same message. You know, be competitive, get out there, do your best, and um, see how things fall. And that's the main thing is is making kids believe that they can do it. There's so many kids that, that struggle with that. So many talented kids, you know, they just don't have that mental toughness. And that's really where ball games, in my opinion, are, are won and lost is the mental toughness. Absolutely. I agree. I think the thing you hit on there the most is that idea, that word mentor. Uh, I know the older mm-hmm. I've got, the more important that's become in my life. And you just mentioned a couple uh, really important mentors in your life. And I think mm-hmm. whoever's listening to this podcast, coach, athletic administrator, leader, whether it's a player, go find a mentor and, and learn from them and, and, and get better because that's it's a vital piece of my life. And it sounds like it was to you as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah, Coach Baker, I think we're ready for the two-minute drill. I think we are. Uh, so I'm a little nervous about this. Okay, well, you know, go ahead and get loose. Uh, so what we're going right. to do is we're going to give you a set of rapid-fire questions, uh, and you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right, here we go. What is your favorite perk of your job? My favorite perk of my job? First thing that comes to my mind, uh, being able to influence kids. Awesome. What advice would you give your younger self? To not think that I knew it all. What is an organization or team you'd like to study? Pass. Okay. We'll come back to it. Uh, describe a morning or evening routine of yours. Um, well, back in the day when I was fit, I would say running, but now I would say um, reflection. Okay. We got uh, Self-reflection. Self-reflect. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Do you do it in the morning or evening or both? Uh, evening. Okay. I'm not a morning girl. <laughs> We're going to be a little more vulnerable here. What is a bad habit you have? Eating bad. Uh, Fair enough. I think you've already answered this one. Morning person or night owl? Night owl, for sure. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. What was the first job you ever had? Ever? I was a waitress at Country's Barbecue. Awesome. Country (laughs) Barbecue, Columbus, Georgia there. Awesome answer. What is your What is your favorite TV show, movie, Netflix show? Your guilty pleasure in regards to TV? Oh, I like Last Man Standing. I'm, I don't have a long attention span, so um, I like short sitcoms, things that I can laugh at and just you know, not get too serious about. Gotcha. Let's take one more shot at what is an organization or team you'd like to study. What is an organization or team I'd like to study? God, that's a tough one. I'm not rapid fire on that one, Josh. It's all right. We'll get. We'll get. We'll, we'll expand it two minutes. We call timeouters. Can you make? Can you make one up for me and then and edit that in? <laughs> I said Alabama football. No, there's, there's so many. There's so many programs that I'd like to learn more about. Uh, that's, that's good. All right, let's finish up with this one. So, Coach, today you've been hanging with the AD, but if you could hang out with anyone, who would that be and why? 
I would probably pick my granddad um, just because um, there was a, I think there's a lot of story. He was a Navy man, um, military man, and he traveled all over the world. And um, he had a lot of great stories, and I don't feel like I got to hear them all before he passed away. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. What was his name? William Shinholster. That's awesome. Well, Tanya, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule today to sit down with us and, and share some insight into a lot of different things uh, from from leadership just to how you are wired. And I know that a lot of us are wired the same way. And so appreciate your time today uh, for sitting down with us and, and just can't thank you enough. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Awesome. Take care. Okay. See ya. What a great time it was to visit with Cherokee County Director of Athletics, Ms. Tanya Seabree. I was especially interested in her experience starting a program as a player, then later starting another softball program as a head coach. What a unique experience. Tanya is definitely leading Cherokee County Athletics to the top of the spectrum in the state of Georgia. Her energy and passion for her county, for women's sports, and athletics in general was clearly evident during our interview. Tanya, thank you for sharing your experiences and ideas with all of us here on Hanging with the AD. Before you go, we would appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review on the platform you're listening from or connecting with us on social media, Twitter, or Instagram at Hanging with the AD. And until next time, Thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD.